there may not be any inherent meaning to life or a bigger reason for us to be here. If there isn't, you really can make your life into whatever the hell you want. But maybe, just maybe, if you do nothing else, do what you can to fill your little corner of the world with sunshine for you and those around you. look down here. Welcome to Yelling at Birds, episode 34, I believe. 34? Um, the one about drinking. So, um, as I'm getting some interviews lined up for um, kind of the next phase of this whole thing, I felt like it would be fair to, again, kind of share a little bit about myself. Uh, maybe not, yeah, about myself. I was going to kind of share the, my thought process and my kind of thoughts and feelings as I was going through the situation that kind of put me here, um, or my most recent, um, drinking violation. It was also kind of, um, it was kind of inspired by the fact that last week I, you know, heard the sirens outside. I live downtown. I heard the sirens outside and I looked down onto the sidewalk and saw that uh, someone was driving the wrong way on 3rd Street and they'd been pulled over. And then they were going through field sobriety testing and just by watching one of the tests happen, you know, they're, they were going, they're getting arrested for drunk driving. And I know that it's, you know, something that's a little more common in our states, Minnesota, Wisconsin, it's a little more common, but it's not, it shouldn't be normal. It's not a normal thing. Um, and going through just understanding the thought process of somebody going through that process, um, doesn't mean you need to forgive the, doesn't mean you need to forgive the, the decision or forgive kind of them putting themselves in, and others at risk, but it does kind of help to know, um, you know, not everybody, it's not a normal thing. Not everybody gets put through the criminal justice system, um, in that way. Um, you know, plenty of people get pulled over for speeding and other things like that, but even more rare that somebody gets put through that system. So, and this is by no means meant to be a, um, this is just my experience, my point of view. So it's not meant to be a, this is the right way to handle that situation, or um, it's not meant to, you know, embarrass my family or my friends. Uh, it's not meant to make my parents worry. Um, it's a situation that happened. I'm currently learning from it, or I've learned, and I'm currently learning from it. And it's something that I'm going to have to continue to learn from and remember for the rest of my life. And I thought that, you know, seeing that kind of it, you know, I guess is the inspiration for this talking through, you know, this might end up getting kind of long. I don't know, but talking through kind of what's going through a person's head. And my hope here is that this isn't talking to other people that have been through this experience, but it's talking to people who haven't yet or haven't, maybe they're younger, starting, starting to, you know, starting to drink a little more or turning of age. And I really hope that 
this would have been something that maybe would have helped or maybe would have put a extra thought in my head had I heard this before, um, before I started drinking. And maybe other people um, kind of just going through the process now, I mean, I guess maybe um, kind of helping them look look at look and see kind of what to expect um, moving forward so I guess without whatever uh, I'm wearing a hat today because I don't know I didn't shower and I was wearing a hat all day so instead of having a red liner on my head I have a hat um, so going through it obviously the moments leading up to getting pulled over drunk driving it's hard to kind of, you know, remember the thought process or what's going through your head. It's obviously you've made a selfish decision. You know, maybe you didn't think you were that bad. Maybe you just were wherever you were. You just wanted to get home and you didn't want to involve anybody else. And I think the reason for doing things like that or making those decisions are kind of the reason why... Um, your personality puts you in that situation or you're, you're predisposed to kind of putting yourself in that position. I know that you know, some of the reasons why I took to drinking so much is maybe because, you know, it doesn't seem like it, but I get nervous around people. I don't really know what to say. I kind of have my guard up a little bit and it kind of helped me drop my guard and just get past that uncomfortable around people thing. And the same thing that causes me to feel like I need that will also stop me from reaching out for help or asking someone for a ride, you know, because it's I'd rather just do it on my own. And um, obviously, I'll get into recovery in a little bit. And it's this whole thing, getting, uh, moving past this, learning from it, it is something you absolutely can't do alone. You shouldn't. I mean... You can maybe get sober for a while, for a long time, by yourself, but it's hard to really recover from it, um, or you know, recover from those reasons why you make that that decision. So, so you made the decision. You're driving home or driving wherever. Probably, from what I remember in these situations. Um, focusing every little bit of your attention on driving a consistent speed, on staying in whatever lane you're in, uh, because any little blip in any little blip in your attention, you're slowing down, you're speeding up, you're you don't have your your automatic um, control of everything isn't there. So you're focusing on that, focusing extra hard, especially if there's a car around um, and driving down the road and then all of a sudden blueberries and cherries behind you. Um, you're, for whatever reason, obviously you're making a very stupid decision, decision but uh, you get pulled over. And from my perspective, when you're in that decision, there's, um, everything just goes quiet. Everything. The world is just quiet. And 
you get that pounding can't even say that I get that pounding feeling in my chest of nervousness because it's like that situation happens I know immediately I'm fucked that's it and so everything just you kind of go into a kind of shock um, but there's still hope there's a little bit of hope there hope that um, when you ultimately get pulled out of the car you know the officer is going to come up to the window and talk to you and obviously probably smell alcohol in your breath so they'll have reason to pull you out uh, that plus the reason why they pulled you over and the hope is that there is some mistake or there's something that they're just going to let you go you'd be nice you maybe you're nice enough maybe you pal around with them a little bit but there's hope that you're not quite arrested yet then you'll go through your field sobriety and much like you're driving you'll probably have to concentrate really hard to follow the officer's finger to stand on one leg to walk a straight line you'll try to listen to their commands um, and you'll know why you're doing it um, whether you're passing or not and but there's still hope ultimately let's say fail breathalyzer or blood draw and I'm not advocating either way I'm not advocating for this is the time you shut it down or get a lawyer. I mean, there's, I'm sure, better ways to handle the situation. This is just how I handled it. I just go along with it and whatever happens, happens. So uh, you get to the point where you are providing your sample, whether that be breath or blood. And that's kind of it. You know, they're wrapping it up. They're getting the rest of the evidence that they need or the rest of the reasoning they need to place you under arrest. And, but even then, there's still a little bit of hope. Some stupid hope in the back of your head that something's going to happen. And they're just going to say, all right, you live two blocks away. Get out of here. Um, so, typically, you be placed under arrest. They'll tell you why. Um, you get taken to, taken to jail, taken to a holding cell, get processed in. Um, but something kind of, I don't know, myself, before they take you to jail, they're going to put you in handcuffs and put you in the back of the car where now you're captive and your world kind of changes after that maybe you've never been in that position before um, and now everything's going through your mind you're sitting you know hands behind your back you're sitting on the cuffs maybe the officer's not in the car yet and you're just thinking everything how do I get out of the situation what the fuck am I gonna do this is my life's over everything's done this is it and those thoughts kind of circle around your head as uh, you as he's driving you around as you go to get booked in um, for me it's kind of layer after layer of hope is draining away and everything gets a little more quiet and you think about 
what are you going to, what are you going to tell your parents or your family, your friends? How are you going to get to work? Well, hopefully you're thinking about that because I know this is another situation where you, you, one of your thoughts might be, is there any way I can get through this? And nobody, I hope no one finds out. That's also there too. And that's kind of uh, having those thoughts. I've, I've had those thoughts and I've done this before without anybody knowing. And having those thoughts are, that's pretty much the same way as thinking, how am I going to get away? From, how, how am I going to get away with this? Uh, and not have to, f you know, face the music. How can I get through this as easy, easily as possible? And when it comes to, when it comes to recovery and learning your lesson from this and building from this, learning from this, growing from this, um, that question of, can I get through this and without anybody finding out that's got to go because you have to face the music. This should be hard. This should be very hard and it's a mistake. So it shouldn't be impossible. Um, but it shouldn't be easy either. So you get booked in. So now you've given your information, your, depending on the situation. Um, I don't know if, you know, in some situations you can get picked up by a friend in other situations, you have to wait to see a judge. And if you're one of the lucky people to get pulled over on the weekend, you're going to wait until Monday. So you're going to sit in holding for, you know, what, if it's Friday night, it's Friday night, you know, Friday night, all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. And then you won't see a judge until probably Monday. And you are now wearing whatever clothing the jail provides. You're sitting in a cell, cell by yourself. And again, this isn't meant, I don't want people to feel, this isn't meant to make people feel sorry for me or anything like that. Um, it is, the situation is what the situation is. But when you're in holding, you have a lot of time to think. And you are, you know, basically wearing uh, either a t-shirt or a thin denimish outfit socks and sandals and you're sitting in a room for the last time I was there I sat in a room for you know 48 48 hours 48 hours no contact no games to play um, no phone to look at no Facebook no anything um, you're sitting in a room with a pretty, um, pretty stiff mattress. Maybe you have a pillow, probably not. Stiff mattress, little toilet sink combo, and that's it. And all you have are kind of your thoughts, sounds from other cells, and mealtime, basically. So... You kind of sit and wait for any human interaction, but between between mealtimes, between hearing people walk by, between anything else, you're just there. And you're just in a room. A concrete room. And thinking about 
all of the things that you could be doing, all of the things that you should have done, all of the things that you'll need to do after this, the all of the should have, would have, could have's are gonna flow through your brain. Um, all the desperate thoughts are gonna go as well, because you're there's you're probably gonna hit a point where well. Depending on how drunk you were when you got pulled over, you're probably going to go through a hangover without any aid, without any, you know, any Gatorade or any ibuprofen or anything like that. You'll just go through a hangover. You'll sober up. And all the desperate thoughts will come to. Those are the, all of the, my life is over. Like, that's it. It's pointless to, to... There's no coming back from this. Really. There's no coming back from this. I don't... I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. There's no point. Those thoughts will happen. And... You know, it's not over. It's important to know in those situations that... Life is long. It can be long. And... You have more time. To You have time to, I mean, you shouldn't just always think you have time, but when you make a mistake like this, it, you, sh you should remember that there is coming back from it. It's up to you, though. It's up to you to, to decide what you're going to do and what you're going to learn. But the easier, easier um, path is to not do that, not put yourself in this situation. So you do your time. And then you get brought in front of a judge to make a plea or, um, yeah, make a plea. This last time I had a public defender that was there and, um, you know, I want to hire myself a lawyer. Okay, they'll give you time. They release you. At least you see a judge. Um, what was different for me this time is, for better or for worse, I walked out into the, I um, was cuffed in my orange uniform and I shuffled into the courtroom and I saw a friend out in the out in the courtroom. A friend that was waiting for me. And knowing that what was good about that is it's not it wasn't it wasn't comforting, which is perfect. It shouldn't have been comforting. It was I'm not the only person affected by this. It was even though you sh that you should know that, um it's there's a lot of selfishness that goes into making that decision. And even more so, if you have the opportunity to go through it and not tell anybody, that selfishness is just going to stay there. It's going to keep going. And it's going to leak. It's going to continue with any other decision you make. So seeing the friend in the, in the courtroom was like a slap, a slap. It slapped that selfishness right out of my hand because it was, oh, it wasn't someone cares because I knew that I knew they cared. I knew I know my family cares and my friends care, but it was uh oh I can't just hide this. He's right there. So you do that, you get released, and throughout this whole thing, um, there's a certain amount of I mean there's a lot of shame building. There's a certain amount of shame, which is normal and there should be, because it was a very dumb decision. Um, a decision you weren't necessarily making, um, 
with a clear head, but decision, one decision led to another, led to another, led to another, led to this. And now you've pled, you go back to your life for a little bit until you have your court appearance again, until booking. Um, well, no, see, I'm in, I don't even know, um, until sentencing. So, but that first day when you're out, holy shit, you can do anything, go anywhere. It's amazing. Um, after being in a concrete room for 48 hours, Jesus, you kind of really appreciate, I mean, you should appreciate it anyway, but even more so appreciate not being locked in a room. So you go through that. And then it's the tough conversations with friends and family before sentencing. You catch up with everybody. Um, there's a lot of worry. There should be. Um, people that love you are going to tell you they're worried about you. I hope. I hope they tell you that. Um, the thought shouldn't be, well, I was just unlucky. You know, I was doing everything right and no. Because if you don't have that, if you think that this decision was just an unlucky, caught a tough break, um, then you're going to do it again. That's it. You're going to do it again. You're not just going to be smarter um, in anything, in any decision that you make um, that has these kind of effects on your life. It doesn't have to be drinking or using drugs. Um, if you make the wrong choice and um, if you make a dumb choice like this, a selfish choice, um, and you think, man, I was just unlucky. I'll do better next time. No, you're not going to. You're not going to do that without completely changing your habits and changing your, think your thought process before, before any of this. So you get sentenced and... Then you go through, um, luckily, I, when I was sentenced, I can go through um, OWI court. So it's a combination of, uh, I was on house arrest for a little bit. I could still go to work. I could still have time for groceries and errands and things like that. Um, combination of that, combination of meetings, combination of counseling. Um, but the meetings and the counseling are kind of where it's at and you have to, uh, depends on your mind frame when you're going in. I know I've done it before and my mind frame, the first uh, meeting I went to was an AA meeting and my mind frame going in was, holy shit, I'm not like any of these people. Like I didn't feel like I deserved to be there. That's crazy. I didn't feel like I deserved to be there because I didn't feel like alcohol had ruined my life enough. Um, certainly not to the, to the extent of like that guy or that guy or that guy. Um, and that's just a crazy way to think because, um, that's not, that's not a mind frame that is conducive to recovery and improving and getting better. When you think that I don't deserve to be here, that's kind of saying that the only way to, um, improve on that or get better or grow is to damage your life so completely that it seems irreparable to someone else. Um, so, but this time, 
the meetings and counseling were incredible because I made it a point to um, consistently go get something from the meetings, give at the meetings and in counseling, um, made the choice to make connections, learn names, stay, go early, stay a little later. And also, um, through the whole process, friends are involved, family's involved. This, I decided to do this from that decision. And now the point of this whole thing, this, uh, podcast isn't, it's not always going to be a hundred percent recovery centered, but I think that that's, it's so broad reaching, um, cause I don't have to be talking about drugs or alcohol, um, to be talking about something that relates to maybe what you're going through at any given point. Um, and on top of it all, you know, you're paying money, you're paying off fines, supervision fees. I have a breathalyzer in my car, um, all of that. And all of those things, when you're younger, all of those things, you kind of walk differently when, because you think everybody knows when you're going about your day-to-day life. When you have to sit in your car and blow in a little thing to make your car start, you kind of hide it from people and you look around, you kind of, I mean, I still do that a little bit. Um, same with going to and from meetings originally when you're younger or getting out of court, you're kind of, you know, you hold a little bit more weight on your shoulders because you're like, you hang your head down a little bit, a little bit because you're, it's, you're full of shame. Uh, you're embarrassed, but that's something you have to go through. And I think looking back on it, on that, on the situation or whenever I've been in a situation like this, the two key things that stick out in my mind are the thought, thinking that this is it, this is the end, my life is over. And now knowing that that's couldn't be further from the truth. It's number one. So you're going to go through these situations and you, and you, and you think that there's not like you're, there's nothing else you can do. Like it's, you might as well stop. You might as well give up. But I've seen some incredible changes in some people that haven't given up. And the only way you can do that is if you're continually trying. The only way you can do that is if you're alive still. Um, and number two, you got to walk right into that shame. You have to tell people, um, it's crazy how, how better, how much better I feel when I'm just open and honest. And it's not, this is a, a bag of stuff that I'm going to wait until someone's interested in me enough to tell them about. It's no, here it is. Um, so, and, uh, I feel like my communication with my friends and family is better because if I can tell them about this, if I can be honest about this, I can be honest about it. Fucking anything. And holy, oh, how good does it constantly feel to not, to be speaking, to be real 
with people, to be speaking from a place of honesty, to not have this whole skeleton full of closets, <laughs> this whole closet full of skeletons that you hide and then eventually have to uh, finally unravel once you're invested enough in somebody, once somebody's invested enough in you. Which, kind of thinking about that, obviously you don't, there's no requirement for sharing everything you are with everybody you know. But I was kind of thinking about that the other day, and that was, it seems kind of like a bit of manipulation. If you're holding some of these huge things about your life um, back until you kind of feel comfortable enough to talk to somebody about or talk to this person about it. And typically that's going to be when you almost feel like they're invested enough in you to not give up on you when you tell them this, but, but I guess every situation is different. Every relationship's different. Um, I like to get the, I like to bring my bag and get all the cats out of it. Right, right, right from the start. A lot less stress that way. Maybe a little, little, little embarrassment at the, at the beginning, but if you can get through that, you can get through really anything. So I thought I was going to communicate more, but that was kind of about it. Um, again, I'm not trying to make light of the, the decision or make it seem like it's easier than it is. This is certainly something that I wish I would have known or really fully taken to heart when I was younger. But... It's a lot easier just to not do it. Now, I say that now. It took me about 10, 15 years to learn that. And I have a, and I have a lot longer to go. But that's all I have. Hopefully everybody had a Merry Christmas. Um, I'll be starting to have some people on here with me, whether they want audio or video, that's kind of up to them. And going to start kind of really learning about some people in our community and I'm excited about it. Um, until then, enjoy your weekend. Thank you very much for your attention. Um, any questions at all, uh, find me yelling at birds on Facebook. Um, I'll put the link below. I have a Patreon page where I'll be loading where I load these videos, um, audio, my audio podcast, also articles that I've written, things that I've written that I've had stuffed away for the last decade. Um, otherwise, that's all I have. Stay cool, birds. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend.